The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. And I'm Sam. Welcome to episode 87 of the Creepshow Chronicles. Brandon Tina. So was it a woman? They were born with female anatomy and they transitioned. Well, they never got to have like surgery or anything like that, but they used the binders to like flatten down their chest and all that. So Brandon Tina was hoping that he could start a new life. Um... You know, because he was nobody. He was hoping he could start a new knife in a pl- knife, a new life in a Damn, place. Right. He was hoping he could start a new life in a place where nobody knew that he was trans. But right. um, instead, he was outed in a humiliating fashion, and then he was brutally raped and murdered by two male acquaintances. And many journalists at the time framed the story as a curious uh, curiosity at best and an outright joke at worst, which is pathetic. So Tina's tragic death was also a watershed moment for uh, LGBTQ plus history. Not only did it ex- uh, expose an epidemic of anti-trans violence in America, but it also arguably paved the way for numerous hate crime laws across the country that specifically included trans people. While there is still much to be done, there is no question that the story of Brandon Tina has changed history. You're not missing anything. Really? <laughs> yeah, no. He's a piece of shit. So Brandon was born, so his mom uh, named him her second child after their German shepherd dog, Tina. Wow. Tina Marie. Uh, Tina and his older sister, Tammy, and I mean Tina, like his last name Tina, not his given name Tina. So Tina and his older sister, Tammy, lived with their maternal grandma in Lincoln, Nebraska, and then they were reclaimed by their mother when Tina was three years old. Um, Tammy was six. They lived in the Pine Acre Mobile Home Park in Northeast Lincoln. Uh, Joanne uh, received disability checks and worked as a clerk in a woman's retail store in Lincoln to support the family. So as young children, Tina and Tammy were sexually abused by their uncle for several years. Uh, Tina sought counseling for this in 1991. Uh, Joanne remarried once from 75 to 80. And then Tina's family described him as being a a tomboy since early childhood. And he began identifying as male during adolescence and dated uh, a female student during his period. Uh, His mother rejected his male identity and continued to refer him as her daughter. On several occasions, Tina claimed to be intersex. Tina and his sister attended St. Mary's Elementary School. Tina rejected Christianity after he protested to a priest regarding Christian views on abstinence and homosexuality. Uh, He also began rebelling at the school by violating the dress code um, to appear more masculine. During the first semester of his senior year, a U.S. Army recruiter visited the high school encouraging students to enlist in the armed forces. So Tina enlisted in the Army uh, shortly after his 18th birthday, hoped to serve a a tour of duty in Operation Desert Shield. However, he failed a written um, entrance exam by listing his sexist male. If they want to fight for our country, then let them. I don't care what their gender is. Like, I don't yeah. fucking care. So, in 1990, Tina went to Holiday Skate Park with his friends, binding his breast in order to pass his male. And 18-year-old Tina went on a date with 
This is not okay. This is not okay. Okay. Tina, 18 year old Tina went on a date with a 13 year old girl. No. Not okay. Um, not I'm okay. not making excuses for him at all. That's not okay. Um, he needs to be held accountable for that. It's not okay. Uh, he also met the girl's 14 year old friend, Heather, and began regular, regularly presenting as male. In the months nearing his high school graduation, Tina became unusually outgoing and was remembered by classmates as a class clown. Um, and this is fucking bullshit, by the way, okay? So Tina began skipping school, receiving failing grades, and was expelled from high school three days before graduation. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he didn't get to graduate. And he was later taken to Lancaster County Crisis Center to ensure that he was not suicidal. He was released three days later, um, began attending therapy sessions, sometimes accompanied by his mother or sister. He was reluctant to discuss his sexual sexuality during these sessions, but eventually revealed that he had been raped. The counseling sessions ended two weeks later. So in 93, after some legal trouble, Tina moved to Falls City region of Richardson County, Nebraska. So he moved in with uh, a woman named Lisa Lambert. Tina began dating Lambert's friend, 18-year-old Lana Lana uh, Tisdale, began uh, associating with ex-convicts John Lauder and Marvin Thomas Neeson. So on December 19, 93, Tina was arrested for forging checks. Apparently they hadn't had sex yet. How did she not know? I mean, it is possible that she didn't know and they may have had sex because there was an episode of Catfish, okay, where this we'll just say person, I'm not sure what they identify as, but this person had convinced this girl, many girls, that they were a man and had a dick and they were using a strap-on in a lawsuit regarding the film adaptation, Boys Don't Cry, because there was a movie based off of this story uh, with Hilary Swank. And it was disputed by Tisdale that uh, Tina's arrest was posted in the local paper under his birth name. And thereupon, his acquaintances learned that he was female at, at birth. He was assigned female at birth. Um, which is a shitty fucking thing to do for the paper. Like, yeah. if he puts down on paper, my name is Brandon Tina. And then you put that their their name is, is Tina in the paper. That, 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 fuck you. Fuck yeah. you, media. So during a Christmas Eve party, Neeson and Lauder grabbed Tina and forced him to remove his pants, uh, proving to Tisdale that Tina had a vulva. Tisdale looked only when forced to and said nothing. Lauder and Neeson later assaulted Tina and forced him into a car. They drove to a meatpacking plant in Richardson County. Um, they gang-raged him. <sighs> yeah. They then returned to Neeson's home where Tina was ordered to take a shower. Tina escaped from the bathroom by climbing out a window and went to Tisdale's house. He was convinced by Tisdale to fire, file a police report. Tina also went to the emergency room where a standard rape kit was assembled, but later lost. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I got lost. Yeah, I bet it did. So this dipshit, Sheriff uh, Charles B. Lau, uh, questioned Tina about the rape report. Loud? Lau. Not loud. Wow. <laughs> uh, reportedly, so he questioned Tina about the rape. Reportedly, he seemed especially interested in Tina's transsexuality to the point that Tina found his questions rude and unnecessary and refused to answer them, which he has that right to not answer these fucking questions when Lau is being a fucking idiot and a transphobe. 
Neeson and Lauder learned of the report and they began to search for Tina. They did not find him and three days later, the police questioned them. Sheriff Lau declined to have them arrested, which allowed them plenty of time to plan Brandon's murder. So around 1 a.m. on December 1st, December 1st, <laughs> try that again. So around 1 a.m. on December 31st, 1993, Neeson and Lauder drove to Lambert's house and broke in. They found Lambert in bed and demanded to know where Tina was. Uh, Lambert refused to tell them. Neeson searched the house. They found Brandon under the bed. The men asked Lambert if there was anybody else in the house. She replied that Philip Devine, who was at the time dating Tisdale's sister, was staying there. Uh, they shot and killed Devine, Lambert, and Tina. The only surviving member of the household Not was... Ike and Tina, so y'all know. Shut the fuck up. God. The... The only surviving member of the household was Lambert's eight-month-old son, who was left alone in his crib to sob for hours. Neeson later testified in court that he noticed that Tina was twitching and asked Lauder for a knife, which uh, Neeson then stabbed Tina in the chest to ensure that he was dead. Um, Neeson and Lauder left, and then... Later, they were arrested and charged with murder, thankfully. So, Tina is buried in Lincoln Memorial Cemetery in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. His fucking headstone has his dead name, his dead gender, and it says, daughter, sister, and friend. Oh, fucking bitches. Yes. That just pisses me off, though, because, like, dude, you couldn't even honor your yeah. son in his death. Neeson accused Lauder of committing the murders in exchange for a reduced sentence. Neeson admitted to being an accessory to the rape and the murder. Neeson testified against Lauder. Um, Lauder, but he was still sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Lauder denied the veracity of Neeson's testimony, and his testimony was discredited. The jury found Lauder guilty of murder and received the death penalty. Lauder and Neeson both appealed their convictions. Um, in September 2007, Neeson recanted his testimony against Lauder. He claimed that he was the only one to shoot Tina and that Lauder had not committed the murders. In 2009, Lauder's appeal using Neeson's new testimony to assert claim of innocence was rejected by the Supreme Court of Nebraska. Um, even under Neeson's revised testimony, Lauder and Neeson were both were involved in the murder. So in August 2011, a three-judge panel of the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals rejected Lauder's appeal in a split decision. The Supreme Court declined to review Lauder's case, denying his petition. So on January 22, 2018, Lauder was denied a third appeal by the Supreme Court. So because Tina had neither commenced hormone replacement therapy nor had sex reassignment surgery, he has sometimes been identified as a lesbian by media reporters. However, some report uh, some reported that Tina had stated that he planned to have sex reassignment surgery. Whether he did or not, his name his name was Brandon Tina, and he was a man. Okay, sorry that's so hard for you to understand with your tiny little pea brain. Anywho, Joanne Brandon sued Richard Richardson County and Sheriff Lau for failing to prevent Brandon's death, as well as being an indirect cause. She won the case, which was heard on September or in September 1999 in Falls City, and was awarded eighty thousand dollars. Now I did hear a couple of different 
um, reports saying that she got like 90 something thousand dollars. I'm not sure how much she got altogether. But there was some fuckery trying to prevent her from getting the money and stuff because people are assholes and all that, okay? So Lau was also criticized after the murder for his attitude towards Tina. At one point, Lau referred to Brandon as it. So as for Lau, uh, he sh received shockingly few consequences. It was not that shocking. It's really not that shocking that he received a few consequences for his actions, aside from being admonished, quote-unquote, and asked to apologize to Joanne Brandon. Apologize by bringing her son back, asshole. Yeah. Um, so a few years later, um, after the murder, Lau was voted commissioner of Richardson County, and according to one sheriff familiar with Lau, he doesn't spend much time thinking about the tragedy, which is not surprising. Uh he has rationalized his role to the point where he's blameless. No, you're not. Um, I'm sure that it's a defense mechanism. But he refused to, as, uh, you know, this day, to this day, he refuses to speak about his actions and the case and swore at one reporter who contacted him for a story on the murder's 20th anniversary. So you know you're fucking involved, dude. Like, I know you didn't murder Brandon Tina, but you could have prevented it. <sighs> Do your job as a fucking police officer. And it's like, I'm, if you're a good cop and you're listening, thank you for being a good cop. Thank you. Not only did the police handle this poorly, so did the media. So the press handled, mishandled the story of Brandon Tina and the uh, depiction of him for years. The Associated Press referred to him as a cross-dressing rape accuser. What the fuck? What the fucking hell? Yeah. Uh, Playboy described the murder as a death of a deceiver and even... LGBTQ-friendly newspaper like The Village Voice bungled the story, misgendering Tina and portraying him as a lesbian who hated her body because of her prior experiences of childhood sexual abuse and rape. When your own fucking community is against you. Like, what the fuck? Um, in 1999, Tina became the subject of a biographical film entitled Boys Don't Cry, directed by Kimberly, Kimberly Pierce and starring Hilary Swank as Tina and Chloe Savini as Tisdale. For their performances, Hilary Swank won and Savini was nominated for an Academy Award. Tisdale sued the producers of the film for unauthorized use of her name and likeness before the film's release. She claimed that the depiction was a lazy, white trash, skanky snake. Um, Tisdale also claimed that the film falsely portrayed that she continued the relationship with Tina after she discovered that Tina was transgender. She eventually settled her lawsuit against the move the movie's distributor for an undisclosed, undisclosed sum, whatever. But uh, Joanne was not a fan, though she had been devastated by her child's death. She refused to accept that Tina was transgender for years and often using she, her pronouns when referring to Tina. And then whenever Hilary Swank won the Oscar for portraying Tina, she famously thanked Tina during her acceptance speech while using his chosen name and he him pronouns a move that infuriated tina's mother well you know what um joe it's his life not yours exactly he's not living your life exactly your so in 2018 in 2018 donna uh minkowitz sorry if i said your name wrong uh the journalist who's reporting on tina's murder first brought the story to a wider audience read a piece for the village voice in which she expressed her regret for not understanding transgender issues when she wrote her original report so thank you for taking accountability thank you for that donna
So we did this story last year with Preston and Roy, but the audio was messed up and I wanted to redo it, especially now with the bullshit happening in Texas. Greg Abbott sent a letter to the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services directing the agency to investigate any instances of parents or guardians allowing gender-affirming procedures on their children as child abuse. Abbott also ta uh, tasked all licensed professionals who have direct contact with children who may be subject to such abuse, including doctors, nurses, and teachers, to report such parents or guardians. These professionals would face criminal penalties for failure to report. So basically what he's saying that if my 13-year-old assigned at birth daughter comes to me and says, Mom, I, I, am, I am a boy. Like, I, I am a boy. My name is, I don't know, Jeff. I don't know, whatever. Like, I am a boy. My name is not Cynthia. I don't know. If, if she came to me and I said, okay. She. I said, if he came to me and I said, okay, that's fine. We'll get you on some hormone therapy, you know, we'll go out and get you some boy, you know, boyish clothes, whatever you want. Yeah, we'll right. get your hair cut, whatever you want. I could get in trouble for that in Texas. Oh, it would be God. child abuse. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, indoctrinating your children with um, church and the Bible and forcing them to pray and say the Pledge of Allegiance is fine. It's fine. It's totally cool. And there were people in there still going on about the um, the sharing of bathrooms with trans people, saying that, well, it's just going to allow men to come into the bathroom and rape women and children. Okay, first off, let me let me just get on a tangent here, okay? As if my 15th tangent of the day. Um, so, number one, men can already do that. Men can already put on a dress and go into the women's bathroom and rape women and children, okay? Number two, even if men went into the bathroom and raped women and children, guess what? It's still a straight man going into the bathroom raping women and children. It's not a transgendered woman. It is a man. It's this, The man is still the problem here. Mm -hmm. Okay? It is not a transgendered woman who is going in and raping and your children and, and women. It is a straight man putting on a dress going in and raping your women and children. So if you have a problem with straight men going in and raping women and children... Maybe do more to punish pedophiles. Maybe, have you thought about that? Leaving the transgender people alone and punishing pedophiles to the utmost extent? Maybe, yeah. maybe instead of making it illegal for parents to give their children the chance to live an authentic life, maybe we put pedophiles in prison for life and or, it's Texas, they have the death penalty, kill the motherfuckers! They have the express lane? Yes! Texas has an express lane. <laughs> yes, they do. If, you, if you're still listening at this point and you would like to help, yeah, if you're still listening at this point and you would like to help, um, there are quite a few different uh, ways to help. So there's Central Texas Transgender Health Coalition, which helps to facilitate access to quality health care, resources to the transgender and non-binary community, as well as educate health care and social service uh, professionals in Central Texas. There is the Transgender Education Network of Texas, an organization dedicated to ending discrimination through social, legislative, and co uh, cooperative education. There is the TexasTransKids.org, that is TXTransKids.org, an, an initiative that provides resources on LGBTQIA youth rights, rights and encourages advocates to defend trans rights across the state. 
There is Trans Youth Family Allies, an organization that works to empower children, families, and educators on creating safe and celebratory environments for gender expression. Um, There is the Montrose Center, which is an LGBTQIA plus community center based in Houston. The National Center Center for Transgender Equality advocates for uh, the equality of transgender uh, community at the policy level. And then there's also the Trans Lifeline. The Trans Lifeline is a hotline that provides trans peer support and that you can reach that line at 877-565-8860. And for those of you in Canada, you can call 877-330-6366. You can also donate to the Trans Lifeline at translifeline.org. My sources were Wikipedia, All That's Interesting, Harper's Bazaar, and Green Matters. Um, if you are listening to this and you are trans and non-binary or any, any part of the LGBTQIA plus community, please know that we, we see you, we love you, we accept you, see you, you are valid and your emotions, thoughts, opinions, and feelings are are valid. So yeah, fuck Greg Abbott, fuck Ron DeSantis, fuck Florida, fuck Texas, fuck any state that has this don't say gay bill and anti-trans bills, fuck everybody. All right, so thanks for listening to The Creep Show. Uh, if you want to find us on uh, in, uh, social media, I am just, woo, getting off my soapbox here. Okay, if you want to find us on social media, you can contact us on Facebook and Instagram at The Creep Show Chronicles, Twitter, The Creep Show 1, email us at thecreepshow18 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show. I'm Sam. And I'm Ash. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.